0: Welcome to the first episode of Wholehearted Loving.
1: woo We're <laughs> finally doing it.
0: We are finally doing it. But before we do it, let's start with a tool, because that's how we roll.
1: Yes, we want to give you the opportunity to practice connecting to yourself and give us an opportunity to practice connecting to ourselves before we connect with each other. So if you're up for playing along, let's take a moment and feel your feet on whatever your feet are touching or feel your butt on whatever you're sitting on. And that might mean you need to wiggle your feet a bit to really feel that sensation, or it might mean you need to give your butt a little wiggle to really feel what you're sitting on. And take a moment to notice your breath. And we're going to find something to look at in your space. It could be anything. I'm looking at a highlighter on my desk. I'm also the queen of highlighters. So I'm looking at this highlighter and I'm feeling my butt on the chair. So we want you to practice looking at something and feeling your body. And we're going to turn our head and neck and find some other thing to look at. I'm seeing my one of my favorite green pots on the stove and i'm feeling my butt on the chair and then we're going to turn to behind you and find something behind you to look at and again look at this thing for me it's a little picture of my kids and feel your butt on the chair or your feet on the floor, whatever that anchoring body part is for you right now. And then just come back to sitting or standing or being in whatever way is comfortable for you. And take a moment to notice how you feel. Mm -hmm. Take a moment to notice what feels the same or different to before you took some time for some intentional connection with your body and your space.
0: Hmm. This is how we like to arrive in spaces together and how we like to start workshops and groups is by taking a minute with ourselves to get centered before we offer our time and energy and space to other people or in this case podcasts.
1: Yeah. And before we take in other people's energy, right? It's a nice thing to do in between things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great.
1: So I'm Stephanie. And who are you? I'm Georgiana. <laughs> what do <are> we do <laughs> here? What, what else do you want to know?
0: <laughs> I want to know everything. I think everybody wants to know everything.
1: Well, you'll find out soon enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, slowly but surely. There will be story times. Um, but I think today, let's let people get to know us a bit. Um, through the story of how we met and what we're doing here. I'm sure there's right. going to be a lot of pins to put in that conversation. <laughs> I
1: love the story of how we met. Yeah. I mean, I didn't love the circumstances that <laughs> brought me to how we met. Or I didn't at the time. Yeah. I do now. I see the gift in it now, that pain in that time of my life. Um but I do I love that we met, and I love the story of how we met.
0: Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell it? Is that where you want to start? Sure, let's go from there. Mm-hmm. You have a gentle way of telling <laughs> stories <laughs> which I appreciate
1: so cozy up, <laughs> and I'll give you a story. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I met Stephanie and I met um i'd say probably six years ago close to now. And it was a time in my life that I was going through the biggest heartbreak of my life. And I was trying to think of how old I'm trying to do mental like math in my head. And that's not a strength (laughs) of mine. (laughs) 37. (laughs) Thank you. So I was 37. And I don't know if I was spared heartbreak earlier on my life or what, but it decided to come and hit me hard at 37. And it was the type of heartbreak that had me crying on the shower floor. It had me crying on my drive to work and I'd wipe away the tears and I'd go and I'd be with clients and do my thing and I was on. And then I'd get in the car on the way home and cry some more. And pick up my kids and mother them and do all the things and crawl into bed at the end of the night and cry myself to sleep. So I have very vivid memories of that time and how painful that time in my life was. What was very clear for me was that I needed to do life differently. Mm-hmm. I was like, something is not working for me. What what do I need to do differently? And what I came upon, what I realized at that time was I really needed to examine and explore what my relationship patterns were and what my, what my beliefs about myself were.
0: Sorry. Was this something you were conscious of at the time?
1: (sighs) Yeah. I'm sort of nerdy like that. (laughs) Oh,
0: you're so nice.
1: I have this internal problem solver piece Mm. in me. That's like, I need to look at my life because I'm at the lowest of the low and I don't want to stay here. So I want to take a look at like, what is going on exactly? (laughs) And I think the sign that I got that told me something needed to be different was I took this heartbreak so personally. Mm. And what it felt like was I gave this man metaphorically so much power over how I define myself, how I saw myself, what I believed about myself, what I believed about my worth and lovability. And I think deep down I knew I want to love, like I'm a big believer in love but I do not. I no longer want to give someone outside of me that much power to determine what I believe about myself and what I'm worth. Wow. And so I was like on this mission <laughs> of I got to, I got to learn about myself and what's going on.
0: <laughs> I love how opposite we are.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that, that was what brought me to this I don't know. I think it was 12 weeks at the time, a 12 week group therapy. Would you call it group therapy type of work?
0: Yeah. Conscious relationship training.
1: Yeah. And I had no idea what it was. And I think for another story time, I'd love to share how I ended up there that day because Mm. it was so, so much of following that. Yes. Ping in my body. And I was not, I didn't grow up listening to that yes ping in my body at all. Mm -hmm. I grew up trying to figure out the answers in my head and how I ended up in that room with you six years ago was all because I was willing to listen to that thing inside my body that said, you need to be there. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I signed up for, (laughs) but I was like, I'm paying my money. I'm showing up. And it, absolutely changed my life. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So the one real distinct memory that I have of meeting you. And when I think about our friendship, it's it's the first memory I have, which is, I think it was at the end of one night, one session. I don't know which session it was out of the 12, but you walked over to me very intentionally and you said something like, you know, you don't need to smile All the time, (laughs) but it was in the sweetest way. And I didn't fully understand what you meant exactly at the time,
0: Mm.
1: but something inside me knew there's something, there's some type of wisdom in what she's saying to me right now. There's some type of truth here. I don't know what she's talking about because I smile at everybody (laughs) and that's what makes me feel comfortable. Mm. But I knew there was something in there for me.
0: Amazing. So that means then it was your round one and it was my round two. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah Cause I right. stole that wisdom. That was parroting wisdom. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was barely understanding what that meant, but it had blown my mind so much in my first round. Uh, when our friend Heather said that she told me, you know, you don't have to smile. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> yeah. It was a gift.
1: Yeah. You know, and that was very powerful for me because at the time I was also someone who grew up smiling, being the nice girl. I wanted to be pleasant so that people would want to be around. Um, I was kind. I was compassionate, um, loving, and I wanted other people around me to feel comfortable. Mm. And I really actually love that superpower of mine, this ability that I've been told by people that when they're around me, they feel a sense of comfort and safety and acceptance. And I really love that. I think I was starting to realize at that time that I was using that superpower too much, like everywhere, like out of balance. And what was happening was I was placing other people's comfort and pleasure above my own. Mm -hmm. You know, I had that smiling mask on and for me to learn that I could allow myself to smile when it was truly authentic and that I didn't have to smile if I was feeling sad or angry or disappointed or frustrated, that was life-changing for me. I, I know it sounds, maybe hindsight sounds a bit ridiculous, but I think it's true for a lot of us. We we grow up thinking, I got to put on this nice, happy smile for everybody else, even yeah. if I'm dying on the inside. Yeah, And I really love the story of your ear pain and jaw
0: (laughs) pain. (laughs) And I would
1: love if you would share that story.
0: For sure. Absolutely. I mean, we're told to smile, put on a smile, smile and you feel better. You know, it releases endorphins. There's so many good reasons to smile, but I think we can muck it up when we're really not feeling it. Um, Yeah. So I've got sort of a resting bitch face. Or like a really easy to interpret energy. I, I certainly receive a lot of projections. So I remember in high school, I would be like feeling great. And people would walk by me and go, oh my God, what's the matter? <laughs> like, who did what? I'm like, what do you mean? I, in my head, I'm like, do do do. And that's apparently not what's coming across. So I think I started doing frontline social work, um, essentially out of high school. And I, I really took that personally, the smiling thing. I wanted to be personable and approachable and let people know how much I love them. And so I was smiling a lot. I was smiling a lot more than my body wanted to smile. And eventually I started going deaf. I got a headache. I avoided this. I was like, I'm not going deaf or having a headache. And after six months, I thought, okay, this is a problem. (laughs) So I went to the ear, nose and throat doctor who told me I should go see the dentist. Who's told me I have temporomandibular joint disorder, which is just like an overfunctioning tendons in the jaw kind of thing and bite misalignment. And, and anyway, it was because I was smiling too much. So I got this dental appliance and like this whole ordeal, it went away. And then I just realized I don't actually need the dental appliance or any surgeries or whatever. I just need to not smile when I don't mean it. Wow. Yeah, powerful. Yeah.
1: Right. So reclaiming the genuine, authentic smile.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's how we met.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And conscious relationship training. I really remember connecting with you. I think we did a clearing one of the first nights maybe And a clearing is just where you say everything that's in your mind, regardless of if it comes with a smile or not. Um, And it's so liberating and connecting and real and true. And I just loved you immediately. (laughs) It's really, we have such
1: a beautiful friendship and we're so opposite in so many ways and yet so similar in Mm -hmm. like the ways that really, really matter. Mm -hmm. And you've been such a teacher for me because I knew like when I met you, like when my body was around yours, when I was in your space, I was like, I feel good around this person. I couldn't really pinpoint what it was exactly, but I just knew being in this person's world is going to be good for me. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is if I would have met you on the street, if we would have walked the same hallways in the high school, my mind would have gone to from just outward appearances and how you held yourself and your energy. I would have been like, we're so different. We would never get along. That would be my assumption. And you know, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be someone I would gravitate to at that time in my life, just naturally.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And I'm so glad that I followed that body sense in that mm-hmm. room because everything I found that came naturally to you or was a strength of yours were things that were really challenging for me mm-hmm. and really scary for me to allow myself to be. <laughs> and so, you know. watching you and watching how you walk through the world, watching how you're so committed to speaking your truth. Um, watching your courage in saying things that everybody thinks, but people <laughs> are mortified to say out loud. Um, it really gave me the courage to be more of who I really am.
0: Mm. Nice. Thank you. And such big dittos everywhere. You're, I think it's also worth saying that I was quite a different person six years ago and I was quite angry without knowing it and aggressive without knowing it. I've got this intense, aggressive protective streak that uh, isn't me really. I mean, partly it is, but partly it isn't. It's so funny the way you're talking about your beautiful approach to coming into CRT, knowing that you needed to change something and (laughs) fix your patterns.
1: Did you not come in for the same reasons, intentions?
0: No, I was just like, all the people around me need to fix their patterns. (laughs) I was straight up there to make my boyfriend be different. And that was it. You know, I was just like, this guy's got problems, which isn't not true. And uh, we're going to get those fixed because he's not giving me the dream life that I'm imagining. It it was just a, a complete blamey pointing outward situation. Um and that probably persisted for a few years. In many ways it probably persists still. It's just much slower and I'm really aware of it now. It's
1: been really beautiful and special to watch your shifts over the last six years. Mm-hmm. And to watch the ones that have been coming naturally and quite easily, and the ones that are more clunky <laughs> and bring out more of the tears and the ugly cries. Um, what I've seen in you is you embracing the softer parts of yourself that I always could sense were there. And, um, and to combine that with this, this like real, like, I don't know, this badass part of you that'll just say what you mean. Um, I don't know. It's just been magical for me to witness you change and evolve and give yourself permission to be your, I mean, be this crying, soft, mushy pile of goodness. <laughs> because I feel like if someone would have told you that you might one day even be a little bit like a pile of goo and mushy goodness you would be like "F off (laughs) get the heck out of here (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about (laughs) yeah
0: totally yeah I used to I mean I still swear but it's just a very different flavor now you know I'm still very direct and blunt and uh sweary but without this anger that i just didn't i just didn't know i didn't know i was so angry and so full of old grief you know right. and you're like the contrast of your soft gentleness let's see if i can say this without crying <laughs> like you you've got this way of connecting in just a loving open vulnerable way like the way you've done primary partnership relationships i mean a romantic stuff is so gentle and open like there's no dramatic bullshit you're just like here's my heart is that your heart let's let's cuddle together (laughs) you know i'm like where are the knives and fire (laughs) Where, where are the insults where's the confusion you know where's the uncertainty where's the hidden rage yeah and I tell you what, I've found a lot of that in those old relationships of mine. Ironically, yeah. my unknown rage within, I discovered it without.
1: Yeah, that's tough to feel and face, hey? Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. And also one of my favorite parts of conscious relationship training, that anger processing. I love one of my favorite things is seeing, especially women who are I'm going to use the words afraid of anger. They don't necessarily know that they are. They've probably got some history of anger looking certain ways that are uncomfortable or unsafe. But so they've shut it off. They're unaware. Maybe they have political complaints or road rage. There's always little like things that will crop up to show you that you've probably got some anger in there. I had all the markers. <laughs> <laughs> but... Watching these women goes from like, okay, no, I'm absolutely not participating in this exercise, and I don't need to. That's crazy. I'm you didn't fine.
1: participate in the anger process
0: at first. Well, no. So I'm always volunteer number one, right? So right. Phil said, "Who wants to go?" and I stepped up, and he's like, "No, no, no. Uh, somebody who's done this before, you know." And then I saw what they were doing, and I just receded into the crowd. I was like, "Never mind. Absolutely not. That's crazy." Um, Tell me why. Tell me why you thought it was crazy. Well, it's a very physical, loud, in your face process. Right. Okay. Yes. And when I'm volunteering, I'm just wanting to like show off or like Mm -hmm. be good at things. I'm not actually going like, oh, do I want to participate? And like, I'm not thinking it through. I'm just following my feeling. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But then watching, so there's ways to like, you can observe the process. You don't need to participate. You can get sort of semi involved or like do the full fledged process. So over the course of like the half hour, maybe that it was going on, I got a little bit more involved and I noticed my energy shifted in a way I didn't expect, which is such a beautiful thing and a gift I want everyone to experience. Letting your energy shift and staying with it. It's like, oh, maybe this actually feels kind of exciting. And then I did it and it was like, oh my God, it's like so much energy moves and is liberated. Like it just feels like this golden aura of loveliness. And that is my favorite thing is watching women go from, thank you. I think not, I don't have any anger, but thank you for the opportunity to going, okay, okay, maybe I'll do it. And then afterwards they're just beaming, just golden beams of, what is it? Pureness or freedom? (laughs) So much freedom. freedom. We didn't know we were missing, you know? For
1: sure. Yeah. I mean, anger processing was such a gift for me. I was so afraid of anger. I grew up in a home where my parents loved me, but they were both so angry with each other, I think with life sometimes, with me and my brother. And it was a lot of yelling it was a lot of passive aggressive eye rolling with things muttered under, you know, my mother's breath that were loud enough to be heard. And I was just like, this is the grossest feeling. I don't want anything to do with anger. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was what it was like as a child. And then I remember as a teenager. I was feeling so angry at my parents, but I had nowhere to put it. I mean, I would yell at them, but it didn't really change anything. But I would tuck it away because once I'd exit that door of my home and go to school, I was like pleasant, Georgiana. I was sweet and lovely. And so I walked around life without knowing. I'm carrying this huge rage inside my body and only presenting to the outside world that sweet, gentle part, right? <laughs> and then, you know, a few decades go past. And when I was thinking about my parents, it wasn't anger anymore. It was uh, sadness. I was like, just connected to the grief of not having the the warmth and acceptance from my parents that I really needed and wanted to have. And what I realized over time was, as a teenager, I expressed tons of anger to my parents, but what was really under that was a deep sadness. I just wanted my parents to love me, to say they were proud of me, to to like hold me and cheer me on, you know? And there was a lot of sadness, a lot of tears. I think I needed to cry with them and because of them that it felt too vulnerable to cry. And so I didn't. And so I just like fired off anger at them. And then as a, as a grown adult, I couldn't connect back to that anger towards my parents because now I was a mother too, and I could understand and I had compassion that they did their best and all I could access was the sadness. And what I realized is I need to also access the anger that's still lingering there right? And after I let myself feel anger, express anger, and see that I was safe and I was still accepted by people, then I could hold genuine compassion for my parents and genuine compassion for me and also feel a sense of safety and confidence in feeling that wider spectrum of I can feel angry. I can feel sad. I can feel love. All of those things can go together and I'm not crazy.
0: Yeah. All of those things can go together. (laughs) I don't think we learn that as kids. All of those things can go together. Definitely not. (laughs) Not now we had no anger at my house. There was none. There was no yelling. There was none of that. Um, if there was disagreement, it's more like you talk about it till you understand each other's perspective and uh, maybe you disagree. So when I encountered anger, I didn't know what, like, it was so big for me because f- for anyone I knew to get to that point, like, you'd be, like, about to murder someone, you know? It's right. not, right. you've totally lost it. <clears throat> so I encountered that, I think, um, ex-wife and boyfriend after was a lot of anger. I think for myself I had I had so much anger that I didn't know was there. I think I'm a, a very emotional person and I think as a kid I, I mean I sort of don't know how you helped me a bit with this. How one would feel my big emotions. Mm-hmm. I imagine as a parent Obviously, that's very different than a friend, and I think it would be really painful to see your child in pain. I imagine that my mom has as big emotions as I do, so that was probably giving her a huge emotional response, right? So the answer is maybe to look away, you know, or maybe to suggest that you're crying, you're you're fine, you know, let's go distract ourselves in some way. So I think I turned that into a lot of political rage, a lot of injustice at the world, you know, and I did social work and I got very political. I was an angry political lesbian for a long time. I displaced so much of myself and all of those things are not me. I'm not angry. I'm not political and I'm not a lesbian, but that's how I was expressing myself, you know? And as that kind of sloughed off, I started finding it just in the world around me, you know, and in my relationships. And then I was so angry that I was just, I I use this word really specifically, but it'll take like a whole episode to unpack the word manifesting. I was manifesting what was within me, what I was hiding from. Right. Um, So discovering that anger was, just an energy like any other. I remember this really hit home with me. I was doing um, it was either a one day or a weekend conscious relationship training, and we had a lunch break. So we all went down to Whole Foods and something for some reason I was thinking about and connecting anger and like the shift of emotions that happens so quickly within us all the time. And there was this baby, a toddler. I don't have a good sense of developmental ages. It was a very small young person in a, um, not a crib. What are you carrying a carrier, a baby stroller? Stroller? yeah. One of those sorts of things. I don't have (laughs) any children. (laughs) Um, so mom gives baby a banana. Wait, so baby's upset about something. I'm not quite sure the brand of upset, but there's tears. And so baby's handed now a banana, Rage. The tears turn into rage at the banana. Rage. And then in an instant, like the banana's on a new angle, now it's delight at the banana. Like the feelings, it was just one after the other, complete, fulsome, and not personal, you know? The baby's not having personal anger at this banana or whatever. But these are the ways we end up coping, is making them so personal. And anger is just a feeling like any other. It's a passing energy. Um, we've made so many stories about, we've made so many boogeymen out of it, and um, trapped so much emotion. It's also the emotion, it's passion energy. Anger and creativity are similar. Um, sex energy, all of these things, they're big, creative, passionate energy within. And if you want to move it around, you know, you can't just ignore a whole chunk of it, which is anger. Which is what most of us do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. So yeah, it's been life changing for me to learn that I don't have to be afraid of anger. Yeah. And that there's a difference between anger and violence.
0: Yeah. Very you much. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Not having to do anything about other people's anger is very much a gift. um, And you know, Certainly I would have been involved. If there was some drama playing out or something that needed to be fixed or people needed to be soothed or something needed to be different, I would very much insert myself and then wonder why there's all this drama around all the time. Mm -hmm. But now I can observe someone being angry and it's just, it's a passing energy for me as it is as the observer, the same as it is for them. You don't need to make it mean anything. Don't need to do anything. Don't need to fix anything don't need to get emotionally involved in other people's anger. That sentence right
1: there is so huge. Mm -hmm. And I think so many of us are needing to learn that still, or are learning that still. And it's absolutely life-changing. I really want us to do a series on anger. Great. (laughs) Because there's so much more we could talk about around this topic. That's so important.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, for sure. We were on the topic of how we got to CRT, how we met. Right. We
1: wanted to share a little bit about what we're doing here today. Why a podcast?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's a good, a good question. So we did CRT together for years and then we joined the women's group, the rising woman, women's groups at the time. So when that was what, I guess five years ago, maybe
1: around that same time.
0: Yeah. And Shay and Heather were running in-person groups. Um, and now that's the thing I avoided also, um, women, <laughs> other women, groups of women. Um, I mean, we could certainly do an episode on that too. I was I just going to say that. <laughs> um, we It's safe to say that a lot of women feel distrust with groups of other women, you know, cliquey high school remembering or, or whatever it was. I actually had a great time in high school, maybe elementary school for me. But um, whatever it was, I did not feel inclined to join a women's group also i think i was really attracted to the sort of harsh blunt directness of conscious relationship training and what i i guess i assumed women's group would be like soft and something that i certainly is nothing to do with me i'm not soft
1: <laughs> but,
0: yes, <she> <laughs> <laughs> pretty squidgy um so when I finally joined and I can't actually remember why, maybe it was because I had broken up with Darren. I can't remember, but I caved. It was the feeling of like, okay, I need this now. Or like, that was my harsh view at the time. Like, okay, I've caved, I need this. And now it'd be like, oh, I I was ready for the support of a loving group of women, you know, so simple. Anyway, we were in that group for a few years. And boy, did that group save me from things like myself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll do a big story time one time about my, my breakup with Darren. But I remember posting something in the group. I had gone over there to, I think, pick up my stuff. And it was a dramatic, horrible gong show. And I messaged saying like, ah, here, you know, I'm, I'm about to do something crazy And is that a good idea? And it's so good that I had the, I was connecting now enough to myself, like me extending for any reason just wouldn't have happened before. So to connect with this group of women and go, I am about to do something crazy. Is this a good idea? Right on the group chat, you mean? Yeah. On the group chat. Yeah. On the WhatsApp. And I remember Shay was like, yeah, that's not a great idea. And like, do you have to do anything now? Is there anyone you could connect with right now for some support? And you know, that's so far from the dramatic crap that I had been involved in at that point in my life, that it's almost unfathomable. You know, when somebody says like, cool, yeah, like I I hear what you're saying. Maybe you could just slow down and take a breath. I mean, at the time I was just like, fuck you, what (laughs) what do you mean? Take here's breath. Here we go. We're breathing. Now what do I go get a chainsaw and bust into his house? Now what? But now it's so clear that you, you take a breath, slow down, take a moment to be with yourself. That
1: same thing we practiced at the beginning of this episode of like, can I connect to myself first in this moment and my space to just, create that pause that allows for the next intentional choice. And I think that's what Shay was trying to help you create in that moment of let's just slow things down. Mm -hmm. You know, it's valid everything you're feeling. And let's give yourself an opportunity to make an intentional choice. And the only way we can do that is if we slow some things down, get connected back to our body, and to also put on the table a different option of instead of just reacting from this hurt place, to look at what's going on with this hurt piece of myself, and what does this hurt part need right now? And would I be open to receiving some support? Mm -hmm. Even if that felt really uncomfortable.
0: <clears throat> Which it certainly did.
1: <laughs> and like that is the beginning of getting to change a pattern. Yeah.
0: Totally. I don't think I'd made any intentional choices up to that point. Like I I just didn't know what that even meant. Everything is about everybody else. I was completely involved in everybody else's business, everybody else's interpretations of me, my actions. Ugh, so exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's so so people who are thinking, like, hearing this and it doesn't make sense, I want to validate that that's okay. Like, slowing down might not make sense right away. It might sound crazy. It might not connect in a meaningful way in your body. And I, at the time, I just didn't even know what the hell she was talking about, you know? It took me years to figure out what all these calm loving people we getting at
1: right i think what's beautiful about you and watching your process is you're able to say i don't get what you're talking about this makes no sense to me and at the same time there was an openness you kept an openness mm. to like i don't need to get it now they're obviously on to something that brings them some sort of peace into their lives. Let me just stay open to the
0: possibility that there could be different ways of being. Now, see, that is a loving Gigi interpretation (laughs) of what was happening in my mind, which was actually self-loathing. So this is one of the, I appreciate where my self-loathing has gotten me, my historical self-loathing, because I don't actually loathe myself. I quite love myself now. But at the time, and certainly this machinery still runs of assuming that I'm wrong about things and that other people are right. So it wasn't like, oh, they're on to something. I'm observing them being, having a nice time and whatever. And it was none of that. It was just like, well, I'm obviously wrong. So they must be right. And I'll just do what they suggest.
1: Yeah. And it started out that way. Yeah. But I think over time it shifted. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right.
0: Well, and that might be my mucky, mind-based version of what's what's true in my body, right? I've interpreted it in this negative way, but actually it's just an openness that's true to me because I am yeah. open. Exactly. And that's on the
1: outside looking in, watching you and your process. Like yeah. that couldn't have happened. You couldn't be where you are today with your belief in... um the importance of pausing and connecting to your body and listening to the wisdom of your body and creating opportunities to, to be able to make intentional choices. You couldn't be here today if there wasn't an openness in you.
0: Yeah, for sure. This is one of the things I'm learning right now with human design is how much of what's good for me. I've figured out ways to make that happen. Um, without knowing that's what was happening, you know, and I've maybe called it by other names, but we're meeting our needs all the time, you know, in so many ways that we're unconscious of. I love exploring this with you and I love everyone else exploring it for themselves.
1: Yeah. This is one of my passion topics, meeting our needs. We can talk for a long time about that too, right? We meet our needs in ways that sometimes are helpful for us and other times unhelpful. Sometimes they're kind to ourselves and others and sometimes they're not. And to be able to see that every choice we make is just an attempt to meet our needs. Our needs on their own are not a bad thing, right? They're just human needs. But how we've learned to take care of our needs
0: Sometimes We're
1: to shame our needs. Yeah, or to shame our needs. Wow. Just like hearing you say that sentence, I'm like, oh, we could go on for hours just talking <laughs> about needs. We could. Um, yeah. Which we'll save, I think, for another time. Yeah. But I'm curious how, you know, when the question is why are we here? Why are we why are we starting a podcast? And you had shared about our experience in women's group together. How For you, how is women's group an influence in where you got to today to say, I want to
0: start a podcast? Mm. I think one of the things that struck me, maybe almost the most about women's group specifically, there's a lot of, it's a very conscious relationship, group therapy kind of work, but there is a difference with women's group where all of our conditioning specifically as women comes up in this group context. So like have a smile on, be fine with everything. Those are like the the basics. The thing that felt amazing to me about women's group and what I hope to disseminate in the world is during the simple check-in, right? Feelings and needs check-in at the beginning of group. How are you feeling? What do you need? One after the other, such different feelings, all of them allowed to be here. One woman's celebrating, one woman's at her lowest point. When we can all be with these feelings together at the same time. Nobody's trying to control anybody else's feelings. Everybody's letting each other have their experience. And they're just there as a supportive human desiring to be in a space with each other. That's like, so beautiful.
1: Yeah. It's really, uh, creating an opportunity for ourselves to experience all the things that I think we all wanted as little children to feel like my feelings matter. My needs matter. My experience is valid right? My hopes and dreams are worth um, pursuing and giving attention to. Yeah, My pain deserves to be held and seen. Yeah, That's what we got to experience in women's group. So no wonder it's so nourishing because how many of us, no matter how much your parents loved you, how many of us got to experience that on a regular basis?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Right. So we went from being participants in women's group And I'm so grateful for that experience, honestly, life-changing to being asked to take over that group and start facilitating women's groups. And that was such a joy in my life. It stirred up a lot of fears of who am I to do this and run the group. Um, But also it gave me an opportunity to break all those old beliefs that it should be somebody else Mm. who knows better, who can do better, who knows more. And, um, this makes me a little emotional talking about it because I had so many old beliefs about everyone else can do it better. Everyone else knows more. And especially, um, growing up, Chinese in Canada, I didn't see anyone that looked like me doing anything in any position that had power. And I mean, power in a healthy way. Um, Someone who held wisdom or was a guide, like I didn't see anyone look like me be in those positions. So when we were asked to facilitate group, there was a part of me that was like, no, I just want to hide. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I also knew that this was an opportunity that has been handed to me to start rewriting this old belief that I'm not good enough. Right. And that I deserve to have an opportunity too, just like everyone else. And so it was life changing in that way. And then also so life-changing in watching the lives of women transform, watching their beliefs about themselves shift, their beliefs about other women, people, their beliefs about what relationship means and can be, Mm. um, their belief about whether they can trust themselves and trust the world and trust life. Like watching that shift for women, watching
0: of oh, their relationships with their parents and with their children
1: yeah everything just changing <sighs> it was amazing to see and every week i thought cuz like it wasn't like a money making endeavor running women's group it was a lot of time commitment on our part but like every week i was like wow like i know why i'm here like i just want to see people get to experience what you and i got to experience And to get to experience what these women here are experiencing Mm -hmm. and, and their children are now experiencing, right? Because they're more comfortable with themselves and the whole realm of the whole spectrum of feelings and needs. And I was like, we got to do more of this stuff. We got to let more women experience this. And so I think for me, this podcast is a little bit of letting more people in the world experiencing this thing that we all needed as children. Yes. The sense of you're not crazy. People care about you and there's hope, right? You're normal. Your feelings matter. Mm -hmm. And even if you're at a point, you know, some people might be at the point where they intellectually believe this but they just don't feel in their bones yet or they don't know how some people who are listening, you know, you may wonder whether we're just spouting off a whole bunch of crap and you might not believe any of it. And that's okay because I want this podcast to be for you too. And I hope you keep an openness. Like I was saying earlier with stuff, even if it makes no sense, if you don't get it, that it plants a seed for you in your life that there could be something different possible because I think the world is better when we are all more accepting and loving of ourselves. And so for me, that's a big why of the podcast. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I know in our trailer, we talked about, wanting to be people's biggest helping them be their biggest cheerleader all right we want to help you be your biggest cheerleader and your warmest hug that's what we said in our trailer and I was thinking about that and thinking well what do we actually mean by that and for me what that means is I needed a cheerleader when I was a little girl I need a cheerleader when I was a preteen. I need a cheerleader as a teenager. I need a cheerleader as a young adult. I need a cheerleader in my life now, you know, and not a lot of us got that in our homes. Mm -hmm. And I see the power now of becoming your own biggest cheerleader and also allowing other people in your life to be your cheerleader and trusting that. And so my hope is that this podcast can be that for people. Mm. And as for the warmest hug, you know, there's so many moments when I think back to childhood that I just needed a hug. Mm. I needed that warm embrace. I needed someone to let me know that my tears were okay, that they're here with me through this moment of pain or discomfort or fear. And so sometimes it would have been a physical hug I needed and other times it would have been like an emotional and energetic hug that I needed. Mm -hmm. And we do not yet have the technology to send you a physical hug through a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But what I hope we can do is give you an emotional, energetic hug in those moments that you need it and that you become more confident and skilled in giving that to yourself and allowing other people in your life to offer that to you.
0: Yeah. There's something like technical in that for me, that's important because it's not just a hug, you know, there's, there are hugs that are creepy. There are Mm -hmm. hugs that are disconnected or anxious or cloying or, or whatever, you know, it's the energy of, acceptance and presence in that warm hug. That's so important for me.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: And being that for yourself. I mean, I remember G will inevitably walk us through many self-connection and physical exercises. And one of them will be about loving touch, you know, and at first I really was going through the motions. I really was not connecting. It's just doing the physical things. And it just shifts, you know, over time, it just shifts. I actually physically comfort myself now, you know, there's warmth for myself. That is true, that I think we have to fake it till we make it. I think we have to go through the motions sometimes for some of us like, gee, it will come naturally. And for me, I'm a little more doubtful, something like that. A little warier in certain ways. I'm not sure, you know, these are defenses that I'm working through but the shifts come and they're so powerful. And yeah, this is absolutely what I want people to experience for themselves and the practice in the moment. You know, I think one of the important things we're going to be doing here is practice in the moment. Um, Again, G is really good at taking these practices away and implementing them in life. And I think a lot of us are probably good at that. And a lot of us are good at, knowing the things we need to do and then wondering why they're not happening for us because we're not doing them you know so taking time with us weekly to to practice to be here and do it's um, going to be helpful and these are all going to be tools that you can take away and use in your everyday life and practicing them as often as you can is going to make them real and really rooted in your body sooner than later so taking time to practice here is going to be good too
1: yeah, like what's really, what really matters to me and to you, I know Steph, is we can understand so many things, but it isn't until we change what we do that we have a different experience and a different, you know, a different um, just result in our life, in our day. And so we're always big on like, we don't want to leave you after an episode And have you only gained some insight or only see yourself in what we say? Like, that's all great and fun, but we want you to have tools that you can bring into your everyday life that are simple. I mean, I'm a busy mom, Um, uh, you know, building a business, busy mom, sports mom, right? So I'm like shuttling my kids all over the place. I don't have easily like a 45 minute self-connection practice every day. But what I do have is little moments between things here and there. And that's what for me I'm passionate about is giving you tools that you can use in the little moments of your day that Mm -hmm. help you. So we will share many, many more tools along the way. This is your practice playground with us every week. Mm -hmm. And
0: It's your voice too. Yeah. You, so we're going to be so repetitive (laughs) and (laughs) consistent. You could also call that consistent, um, that you are going to start hearing our voices in your head, reminding you to slow down, to feel your bum, to feel your feet, bringing you little moments of presence. Um, and it's probably going to be G's voice in your head, which is so nice. I've got one of her voices in my head as well. And I promise you it's very helpful. That's very sweet. It's um.
1: I hear that actually often yeah. there will be people from women's groups, people who are in our women's groups who years later will say, gee, I still hear your voice. I hear your voice reminding me to feel my butt on the chair. And it just completely helps me come back to me. Yeah. And I remember me again, right? I, I used to work for many years, probably 16, 17 years as a parent support counselor. Um, for a nonprofit, and I have received emails from parents, like families I worked with when their children were really young, and they 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 say things like, um, "I've learned, or like as a family, we've learned so much from you in how to help ourselves, how to you know support our children." And one thing I have never forgotten is feel your feet on the ground and your bum in the chair. And this was from a dad actually who wrote me and I just had the biggest smile on my face reading that message because it sounds insignificant. How could feeling your butt on the chair possibly bring so much change into your life? And yet I know it's true. I see, I've seen it in my life. I see it in like so many people's lives. And one of my teachers, my Trey, she used a phrase that I love and I I quote her all the time. She says, simple does not mean insignificant. And that was really powerful for me because I used to be an all or nothing kind of girl. Like, it's got to be big. It's got to be powerful. Like, why would I waste my time doing silly, ridiculous things that (laughs) seem to have no influence? So anyways, I shifted that belief. (laughs) And I see now that simple is significant. And the reason being is that it's these self-connection practices that help us grow the pause and learn how to be with the discomfort of pause, because most of us are highly uncomfortable pausing and feeling our bodies and knowing what's going on with ourselves. And like we said earlier, only in pause do we have space to make the next intentional choice. Yeah. Right. So if you want to change anything about your life and how you do life, how you think about yourself, how you think about life, it's not possible unless we first grow the pause.
0: Yeah. 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 We're talking about bringing real presence to our lives in the moment. And yeah. And being, I used to
1: hear that. I used to hear, bring presence, like be present. I'm like, what, what the F does that
0: f- mean? Does that- <laughs> yeah. it means feel your bum <laughs> and take your breath. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And slowing down. I mean, we all know what, what our presence feels like and, interactions with other people, other energies, time, thoughts, feelings, whatever takes us away from that center and this feel your bum. I mean, the words feel your bum seem kind of silly and maybe insignificant, but if you instead use the words, bring your embodied presence to this moment, I mean, that's pretty significant. We know that that has a huge impact. It's just daunting. And the words are a bit meaningless until you've practiced enough that you have an embodied sense of what that means.
1: Yeah. 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 I'm excited. I'm excited to share more and help everyone bring these simple things into their life that are so life-changing.
0: Yeah, me too. I think that's a good place to wrap it up with uh another practice to lead us out.
1: Right. Let's practice Again, feeling your butt on the chair, or maybe it's your foot on the ground. And just notice your breath. And this time I'm going to bring a little attention to our hands. So just giving your hands a bit of a squeeze. And just notice how that feels. Some loving touch. Give your hands some loving touch. Notice your breath.
0: Mm. It's that easy. Right? I would love everyone to take a minute and notice how you're feeling in your body right now. How are you feeling in your body, G? I feel like a softness mm. and a
1: warmth. Like, sort of like, oh, I I just want to curl up.
0: That's okay. what I feel. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel soft and my right shoulder is a little sore mm-hmm. and I've got to wee <laughs> and, and I feel energetically full in a good way. Mm, I love that. Yeah.
1: I love also that, um, you notice that you have a sore shoulder because these practices are not meant to make us feel good. Yeah. They're meant to help us notice what's going on with ourselves and what we need. Yeah. Right? Some, sometimes I, I walk people through these, people who are new to me and this work, and they're like, I don't know if I did it right, or that didn't work because I, I still feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then when they realize, they're like, oh, it's not meant to make me feel better. That might be what happens. But what you're going to start knowing is you're going to know yourself better and your body better and the signals and voice of your body better. Mm -hmm. You're going to be given an opportunity to tend to what your body's asking for.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And uh, that's a
0: really beautiful thing. It's really beautiful learning to be with your own experience, and that opens up so many doors in so many ways. I'm excited,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, okay, anything else you want to say? I think that's it. I'm excited for where we go with
0: this. Me too, yes. Okay, well, I think that's it for now, then. So, what do I want to say? I want to say like, follow, and subscribe. And if there's anything we've said here today that's helped you or felt good in your body or your mind, um, please share with somebody that you care about. Yes.
1: And also I want to add, this podcast is for you. Hmm. It's for you and the people you care about. And so we want to hear from you we want to help answer your questions. We want to give you tools that would make a difference in your life. So if you want, we are giving you an opportunity to really tell us what you need and what would be helpful for you in your life. I think we can add a link somewhere in the show notes that links to a page where you can send us your questions that you want us to answer here on the podcast or any themes or topics you'd love for us to share about, let us know. And we would be so thrilled to get to create something for you. That's going to make a difference in your life.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And for those of you who've sent questions already, we are going to get to those. Uh, we're just spending the first couple episodes with a little get to know us kind of thing. But um, yeah, we love to hear from you. And yes, we are here for you. And I'm excited for you too. Yeah. All right. Okay. See you soon. Bye.